0: your attention, please.
1: I'm Eleanor Hamilton, and if you live in London, you've probably heard me a lot, but never known my name. The next train to arrive alongside Platform 2 will be an Edgware road service. My husband, Phil, is everywhere too. Mind the gap. We're heard all over various transport networks in the UK and have been working together ever since we got married in 2002. But a few years ago, Phil died, and yet we still work together every day. I hope we always will. Our stories told in episode one, but everyone whose name you might not know, but whose voice is incredibly familiar, has a story to tell. We all do, I guess. But the anonymous voice in your TV, smartphone, or on the bus you catch is a real person with a real story, and I want to tell their tales from the tannoy. In this episode, we meet the guy who's famous for saying things like this.
0: In a world. And this. Coming soon.
1: And this. Out now. And now, even this.
0: You're listening to Tales from the Tanaway with Eleanor Hamilton.
1: Red Pepper, it's great to have you here. And I've particularly wanted to talk to you because my late husband's career pretty much ended with him being known as the voice of the underground. And yet that's where yours started. Do you want to tell me how it all began?
0: My life began in Barbados, to be honest with you. I was uh, born 10 pounds, 10 ounces, I was a huge baby, nearly killed my mother, apparently. <laughs> I don't believe that, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah, I was a big old boy, 10 pounds, 10 ounces, born in St. Peter, which is the top end of Barbados. Uh-huh. Barbados is only 21 miles from top to bottom, 14 miles wide. And um, I left there when I was 10 months old because my father was a criminal lawyer, right. policeman, and became a lawyer. and We traveled to New York, Manhattan, not in the ghetto everyone says oh you you grew up in the bronx i did not grow up in the bronx uh-huh. i was well to do my father was well to do he wanted me to become an airline pilot or a math's professor or something like that no after i left the us i came to the uk when i was 15 mm-hmm. and i went to secondary school here for a couple of years got all my o levels and a levels and i got a's and a's and a's and everything and back in the day you could whoop your kids behind, right? But now you can't do that. So back in the day, I wasn't a brilliant student. I just feared my father, Mm. let's be honest. He said, if you don't get age, you're in trouble. And his trouble was big trouble. When I left school, I got my first job at McDonald's. Right. The first McDonald's in the UK, the very first one. Number one, store number one in uh, Woolwich, Southeast London. Um, I didn't like that much, and I thought I could be a book salesman, Mm. and I um, became a book salesman door-to-door for a company called The Leisure Circle out in, we had to travel out to Watford and Stevenage and those kind of places. Knocked that on the head, Um, I became a security guard with a dog walking around buildings at night, Mm. (laughs) 12-hour shifts. That
1: doesn't sound like much fun.
0: No, it wasn't much fun at all. Um, I was a keen sportsman, so I was always doing taekwondo and shotokan and karate. And I spent most of my youth fighting, not fighting in the street, but just mm. learning. Yeah, yeah. And getting my first dan, the second dan, and all the rest of it. After coming out of the security guard industry, I was literally looking for a job, thinking about changing. And I was in Charing Cross Station, and I saw a blackboard on the ground, and it says, guards wanted.
1: Right.
0: I thought, guards yeah, I can do that. Mm. Every boyhood's dream is to get on a train. But I wanted to be the driver. But anyway, I went for the guard's job. Six months later, they needed drivers. I went for the examinations. I became a train driver. Mm-hmm. And that lasted for 13 years. Right. And during that time, I was always passionate about music and radio. Mm. And back in the day, we had people like you may not know them, uh, Michael Aspel and John Sachs, yep. and. And uh, the guy on Radio 1 who passed, top DJ Beard. John Peel. John Peel. There you go. Thank you. And I used to listen to this guy and these professional voices. I never saw them. I always heard them. And I'll be listening to my wireless day by day, listening, not just to the music, but these guys presenting. And I thought, wow, how do they do this? These guys are so cool. They are like on top of the world to me. These, These guys are my life. Yeah. And so I started collecting records and started collecting music and doing just like any other kid, you know, getting a brush and chain. Hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm pretending to be some great announcer. Yeah. And that's how I grew up. <laughs> so I continued driving trains and I continued to want to be a, a radio host. And I got involved with. The dark side of London where they had pirate stations and they climbed wow. on top of the buildings and all the rest of it. And I started working on some pirate stations right. while I was driving trains. And luckily for me, um, whilst I was driving trains and I was making my announcements. I pulled into Oxford Circus Station and there was a lady with lots of photographers around her. She was doing a... F- what do you call it? Marilyn Monroe shoot. Okay, and she had yeah. the white dress on and they were waiting for the train to come in to get the breeze. So she will do that classic Marilyn Monroe pose. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking, whoa. So I'm driving past. Whoa, look at that. And anyway, because I was like that, I was a bad boy. You, you know, if you had a skirt on, I'd chase you. That's all I was. <laughs> I, I
1: pull, just, I pull, just a, a pull, man
0: then. Typical man, right. And I pulled the train in, pressed the buttons, open the doors, got onto the PA. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your driver speaking. I'd just like to say a special good morning to Marilyn Monroe. You are looking super fine. Gentlemen, please give up your seats. And that's what I said on the train.
1: Brilliant.
0: So, as a driver, you can hear passengers right behind you. They can't see you, but mm-hmm. I can hear into the passenger unit mm-hmm. and they're laughing. I can hear, yeah, yeah, is that the driver? I can hear his voice. Blah, that one? <laughs> uh, I'm, I was having a little giggle to myself. Anyway. I pulled the train into Regent's Park, pull it into uh, to Baker Street. And this guy jumped off of the train like the car. The train is seven carriages long. He was like for the mm. fifth, fifth one back. He jumped out. He's suited and booted. Well-to-do looking man. And he is running, running like he was a thief towards my end of the train. And i thinking, is somebody collapsed? Is someone being stabbed? Whatever. Because these things happen. I pull it down the window. And he gets to the to the driver's cab, and he's like, oh, oh, my God, what a lovely voice you have. And I'm thinking, is that it? Is there a problem? He said, no, 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 no. no. I just wanted to let you know and compliment you what a wonderful voice you have. And I said, Jesus, thank you. But not being big-headed, but I'd heard that so many times, you know. And turned, he said, can I have your phone number? And back in the day... I'd gladly give anyone my number because mobile phones were new then, you know? Mm. And then I said, yeah, take my number. I gave him my number, took his his card. Mm. The following day, he kept ringing me. He says, I'd like you to come into a studio in London, Marlenaire Studios, and do a voiceover for me. I says, a voiceover? I didn't have a clue what a voiceover was, to be honest with you. So I says, okay. So i get my London Underground uniform on and... My bag and my lamp and everything. And I'm going to go to work at 2. I'm going to meet him at 12. I went in there, and I'm like, wow. Never been in a top class studio in my life. And there's all stairs and marble and everything. And these fantastic studios. is like, wow. So anyway, I walk in there with my uniform on. And he says, oh, you're red. And I said, yes. Sit down one moment. I said, OK. So I'm just in, in awe. It's like, wow. So he gives me this A4 sheet of paper, and he says, right, you'll read these lines. When the green light comes on, read the first line, and then we'll give you a green light for the second, and we'll do it like that. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) So the first line is typically, in a world, all I could see was teeth through the glass, where one man, bloody, 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 coming soon, out now, whatever it was. And everyone on the other side of the glass are like wow! I can't hear them. I can just see them, yeah. very animated. So uh, I said to him, "Was that okay?" He pressed the button. He says, "Coming through. I'm coming through." He comes through and he gave me this handshake. You know those handshakes of someone who's hasn't seen you from donkey's years. He wouldn't let go of my hand. It's like a standard handshake, three seconds. He was like thirty seconds, just shaking my hand. You know. This <laughs> is okay. Okay, let go of my hand now. He says, "Yes, we'll we'll be in contact. We'll be in contact." I says, "Are you pleased? Was that good?" He says, "Fantastic." So anyway, I went home and the phone started ringing again, and he called me in. And he says, "Um, I don't mind telling you now because this is twenty six years ago." Mm. He said, "Um, I'd like to offer you um six hundred pounds, and you come in for one hour per week, one hour." Wow. And I've obeyed. The man's dizzy. He's, he's, he's lost the plot. Are you serious? 600? I was working 48 hours for 320 quid in my head. Almost 600 quid? That's monopoly money. Anyway, I said, okay, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. I'll talk to my people. I didn't have no people. But my, my father always <laughs> taught me. Seriously, my dad always taught me never take an offer, take what you want, not what they give you. And I said, okay.
1: Yeah. Very wise advice.
0: Believe me, but I'm playing Billy big nuts now and I'm giving it large on the phone. Listen, uh, yeah, about that 600 pound, you know, I got a family. I'm a young man. I got kids growing up. You offer me 600 pounds for a two year contract. Come on now, you need to bump it up. And he says, well, take it or leave it. I said, oh, no messing. I said, all right, I'll take it. I didn't feel confident because it was a 24-month contract. Mm. And I thought, well, I'm doing a good job here. I got kids, young kids, four, five, six, whatever. Mm. And I need to make sure that they're okay so I can't jump out of the pan into the fire. So I tried to hold down both jobs. But it didn't quite work like that because I'm getting out to Watford. I'm in my cab. I've got three, four hours to go, and I'll get a call. Hi, can you be in the studio at 2 this afternoon? And I'm thinking, well, no, I can't. But I need that money. No. I wanted the money. So I started skipping work. I started booking off sick, and I started messing around or whatever. And to a point that I booked off of works, I said I was mentally ill, I was depressed and all that, and I took a lot of time off. Mm. And then the Evening Standard, or the Sci-Fi Channel, they decided to put a public publicity piece out on me. Right. And there I am, photograph, front page of all the tabloids and the Evening Standard standing there. Great big headline, from tube to Hollywood. You know, they exaggerate everything. Wow, yeah. And everyone's ringing me, red. Look at the papers, red. Turn on radio. This guy on Talk Sports and LBC, and they're all all—they're all calling your name. They're, everybody wants to try it. I said, what? And he just blew up. And then, obviously, the tube bosses, they also saw it. Yeah. Wait, isn't he one of ours? Isn't he not off mentally sick because he's depressed and all that? And they really did look after me because I was down there for 13 years. I was a good driver. Mm-hmm. And they paid me in full. And, but basically, I got busted. Yeah. And that's when I had to take the step from the underground and... The rest is history because I never looked back.
1: So uh, how was your family life when you had this sudden rise from underground driver to studio stardom?
0: Well, family life was is has always been good. Good. And again, when I have no choice, I had no choice but to um, step in this direction. Mm. I thought, you know what, I better go for it. What else do I have to do? And then as I'm going around studios getting little jobs and stuff um, because I got myself an agent, Uh, I was in Angel Sounds, a studio in Covent Garden at the time, Mm -hmm. and Nick Angel and a guy called Rob, they said, you've got such a cool voice, don't worry about it, you will succeed, go for it, just go for it, Mm -hmm. and I did. And then one of my first big gigs was with Coca-Cola, and I didn't understand the industry. I went and done this, whatever, I was in there 20 minutes, I'd done Coke Zero is great, or whatever. Read the script, made it sound good. About a month later, I got the my pay, and it was like not hundreds, it was like thousands of pounds. And I thought, I honestly thought they had made a mistake. And I looked at these and I said to my wife at the time, I said, Listen, I'm an honest man. I got to talk to these people. So I rang the agent up and I said, You know what? Uh, that advert I did for Coke, they paid me whatever it was. And she just laughed. She, she belly laughed on the phone. I says, what's up? I don't find nothing funny. What's up? I'm, a, I'm an honest man. I've got to give it back. And she goes, no. And she, she said, are you sitting down? I says, yeah. I said, they're putting that advert worldwide or wherever it was, all territories. Coca-Cola are a massive company. They're making millions out of those adverts. They're not mugs. They yeah. pay you that money because they're making a zillion times more than that. That's chicken feed to them. But it wasn't chicken feed to me. It was like, okay. no. And then I kind of got used to it. And every job is not like that. And some big brands, you just, whoa. And then other people started to hear me, and the more, who's doing that advert? Who's that? And then I started to do movie trailers, and I started to do animations for these uh, PS games and Xbox games. And it continued, and I thought, this will never last. No way will it last. But it did, and it kept on on going and coming, and I thought, whoa, this is so cool. When I got myself a house, you know, the typical first time I got money, when I got a big house, <laughs> with driveway for five cars, summer house, yep. huge whatever. OTT. Who cares? And I enjoyed it.
1: You've worked bloody hard for it and you deserve it.
0: But the thing is, I'm, I'm a very humble man. Always have been. Mm. But I had to go there because I never had it. I was driving big old five litre cars. And I don't do that now because I woke up. Yeah, yeah. And I just looked around and every weekend I'm having parties. And every weekend I've got all my buddies from London coming down to Ramsgate Road I was right by the sea, mm. having these garden parties. We got People in the in the place I didn't recognize, you got ladies and guys getting off on, snorting God knows what. And I just sat yeah. there like the old man on the hill. And I looked out and I said, what is this? What is this? Mm-hmm. And I just changed my whole groove from there. And I said, everybody out. I don't want this no more. Mm. And, I, and I found myself again and appreciate what I do is nothing spectacular, and everybody wanted to be around me because they thought, oh, Red's got some change. You say money over here, right? He's got some pocket mm-hmm. change, man. He's cool. And, and I stopped, and I started doing for charity. I started to do workshops. I started to put back into the community and become mm. a valid member of the community, not about just lining my pockets. So I live Humbly, I really do I live humbly. Mm. I don't have a cinema in my house and all that madness, and everyone says, Oh, you must go to all of the premieres. And, no, I run away from those. I'm a human being, I'm just down to earth. Yeah. You know, I'm not broke, but well, I refuse to wallow in the so called big time cash, and nah, I can't do it.
1: And um, what happened to the guy who originally heard you on that train and hired you?
0: No, he he scooted, he went off to Australia, and then this place and that place and all the other places. You know, he he was just a down to earth man as well. And we never really kept in contact. Initially, we did, and everything was blowing up and everything. And he said, oh, don't make a song and dance about it. Don't tell people who I was. I'm not into Mm. all of that. He was very down to earth business-like. You know, he's a CEO, he he doesn't need all of that. He was a self-made man. And uh, he just asked me if I minded having my voice in the, uh, what do you call it, mouse mats for computers and to press my name, you know, and that was the launch of the sci-fi channel back then. And, you Uh you press a mat. This is a sci-fi channel, all things science fiction. And this is new to me. Wow, wait, I'm in the mouse. Wow, I felt like a big shot. I really did. But you soon calm (laughs) down. You soon calm down.
1: Is there any kind of voiceover job you won't do that just doesn't sit well for whatever reason?
0: There are jobs that I won't do not because I won't be recognised because I can switch my voice up. I can talk like that if you want me to. Or I can you, you get me that blood? <laughs> like, I can you know what I mean? Yeah, I can switch around so I'm not that that uh movie trailer man. Uh huh. But you'll get somebody, say Peter Dixon, and yeah. somebody will get me in and they'll say. We want you to sound like Peter Dixon, the ex-factor. And I'm thinking, well, I will find it a little bit insulting to him, number one. And you've hired me for me. You haven't hired me to sound like somebody else. I'm not a, a what do you call it, a impressionist. I don't do that. But mm. I can't switch my voice up. I will not, 100%, I will not do uh, sex phone lines. I won't do anything that's derogatory promoting drugs or or ridiculous things. I've, I've got, and people say, well, if I pay you 500000 will you do it? Well, no. No, it's not because mm-hmm. I don't need the money. It's nothing to do with that. It's my, my principles in life. You know, my values uh, and anything that I wouldn't promote for my kids, I will not promote for myself. I just, A-S-A, appearance, speech, and attitude. That's how I live my life. And you know what? I, I dress up when I go to work i got on my felt hats Mm -hmm. and my brogues and my burberry coats and my shirt and tie and my very fly suits. And people say, why do you do that? I says, because I'm not just doing that. I'm making an impression. I'm letting them people know that I take my job as serious as I want them to take me. And plus, I'm doing it for my kids. They're grown. They're grown. You know, the eldest is 34. The youngest is 17. But I always say to them, ASA, appearance, speech, and attitude. Because if you look the part, people will... Assume you are the part. Maybe when you open yeah. your mouth, you talk like that. You get me, though. If I'm walking down the street towards you and I look like a gentleman, mm. you're at ease. But if I look like a rogue, you get me, though, bud. You just assume that I'm a nasty piece of work and you steer clear. So you help yourself. That's what I say to people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a dress. Yeah, that
1: makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's true. Are you still finding that you're dressing up in the morning to go to work even while we're on lockdown?
0: No, I was butt naked. I got dressed for you. I got tell you. <laughs> oh, <I've> got...
1: <laughs> no, but I'm doing the same. Um, when I get up in the morning, even though we're in lockdown, no one can see me. Half the industry is working in their pajamas, and I'm like, no, yeah. makeup on, hair done. You know, yeah. just because it makes me feel better, and I just feel like I give a better performance when I'm in front of the mic.
0: <laughs> well, one thing so... I won't, I won't uh, work in my pajamas because you you don't feel professional. To be honest with you, I feel like I'm just doing something very slapdash. And I don't do slapdash, I'm I'm my worst critic. Something an engineer won't hear, and I'll say, take it again. He says, no, no, that's, that, that take is fine. No, I want you to take it one more time, and I'll do it, and I'm happy with it. Maybe I heard a little bit of saliva in my mouth, he didn't hear, or something. Now we can tidy up in the edit. No, I can't sleep tonight unless I do it, and then I'll do it, and I'm happy. That's how I am. And 25, yeah. 26 years down the line, that's what I do. I still do it. Well, the second I start getting old, blasé about everything, that's when you don't get another job. Mm-hmm. I'm not a prima donna. I'm not a drama queen, but I'm a man of ethics and moral standing. And I treat people with dignity and respect. And, you know, you get folks who say, oh, we want a really cool read because you got that baritone voice. We want a cool read, but we want it fast. No, you mm-hmm. don't do cool and fast. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> we want it really deep, but really fast. And I says, "Well, you're gonna get a rumble. You gotta, you, do, you gotta take time with my voice, or give me a shorter script, or don't ask for that deep voice. Because I can go really hard yeah. if you want me to. And you know, I, I got a good range, but my natural speaking yeah. voice, they pull me for my speaking voice. You know, I do uh, lots of television adverts. You know,
1: uh,
0: Alpison yeah, yeah. Caffeine Shampoo, fight for your hair. You know, I'm bald. You know, <laughs> then I'll be doing personal power gems. Can you do a British voice read? Of course I can. You know, so you do all that, or you'll get Sky Sports and say, "I heard you do a really good Cockney read." So, so the when Arsenal versus Chelsea is a big clash, I'll be in Sky Sports doing a the Blues from West London, the Reds. From North. And I'll be doing all that. And nobody will know it's me, but I'm not into me, I'm into doing the job. Of course. One day you'll hear me reading a script saying, Yeah, last night, right? Me and my... Now, now, listen, listen, you get me, though, blood. Nah, no, for real, though? What, what are you looking at, rude boy? And you can do all of that. It's It's there. So yeah. it's about voice acting. It's not just about talking. So
1: what will we have heard you on that we'd maybe never have known was you?
0: Personal power gems, a lot of people didn't realize of me. Personal power gems, extraordinary powers. I was doing that for a while. Um I've done a couple of <laughs> Oh 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 green giant. Um but that was originally I done love by you. <laughs> I've done that a couple of times, but they didn't ask me to do it again. Um oh, I, I really forget, but um I've been on the X Factor.
1: That's all right.
0: Ant versus Deck. I was the voice of Shadow Man back in the day. And Imperium Galactica 2 and Blade and Gothic and um, Viet Cong and all these games that the, the geeks know, you know, Andromeda, yeah, Wa- yeah. Warhammer, all those kind of things. I get around and no one will know because they just yeah. assume it's just these gruff voices. Come on, guys, get up the hill. Uh, I was in, uh, it's quite a funny one with um, Tim Burton. And my my agent said, Tim Burton wants to speak to you. I says, which which, Tim Burton? From South London? He says, no, the Tim Burton. I said, yeah, sure. And Tim Burton's on the phone to me. He says, hello, Red. I said, hi. He says, I'm Tim Burton. I said, yeah, I can hear that. And he's like, I want you to uh, come and do some stuff for me because somebody, my engineer, who's been with me for a thousand years, he says that you're the man for the job. And I says, okay. So I went to his home, one of his homes in Mm. Somewhere in London, which I'm not at, privileged to tell you where, but it was a pretty nice house. And yeah. uh, he got me in these studios and he says, I'm doing this movie called uh, uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And I want you to be dead but alive. And I heard that you can do all these <laughs> ghoul sounds and undead. You're not dead. And I says, and he says, just go in the studio. I went in the studio, really cool music studio, and had a, like, 30 different microphones small mics big mics and they're all up. and it's just go in there and do your stuff just make these sounds this is about this is what the movie's like and he told me about how the movie works and I went in there and I just <laughs> 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 I started doing all these kind of things and he's, he's, he's just saying you know I could see him going keep, keep it rolling keep it rolling keep it rolling and I'm um, just, make, these sounds, I don't know where the hell they came from. And then I just, it was one, and I just went, and he said, could you sustain that for a minute? I said, are you serious? But I did. And you get stuff like that. And, you know, uh, people yeah. tell you, people ask you to do things like, you're getting your throat cut. Okay, mm. so you grab your throat and you, and he said, no, Red, you're getting your throat cut underwater. (laughs) Really? Uh, And somehow, it comes out, it'll be, and it will sound supreme when you see it. When you see it, it's like, wow, that was me. And then you'll get the credit somewhere amongst the, you know dolly pushers or whatever is somewhere you'll sit in the <laughs> yeah. cinema anally like I do and I'll wait for those 15 minutes of credit and then of my course. kids will go there he, there you are dad and it's like yeah do.
1: but I love that I love that you can be part of this whole showbiz thing but you can walk down the street and no one will ever know it's you yeah and I think that's Amazing. That's what voiceover gives you. I think is the ability to take as much or as little as you want from this whole showbiz thing. Exactly. You know, you could go to all the parties and all the red carpets, or you could just stay at home.
0: It's it's, it's exciting, but it's it's very dull as well. But it can be very humorous. <laughs> it depends on you as a person. Now, I'm I'm a clown. I can have a laugh with anybody. Yeah. So I'll be on the train typically, and especially if I'm I'm happily married and everything. But I'm a bit of a flirt. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, and you see a fine looking woman, and I'm thinking. She's sitting there and she's, damn, she's nice. Yeah, I would, you know, kind of thing. And you get on the <laughs> phone, you get on the phone. And you just find a little bit more Barry White, you know. So, hello. And guarantee she's gonna be reading her paper. And on the second I say, Hello, she look up. And I'm not her. <laughs> and, and then I'll have my conversation, and then I'll put down the phone, and then I'll say something after I put the phone down like, Jesus. People just won't give me five minutes, but I've said it to her, and then she'll respond. And (laughs) I used to do that all the time, just to post chicks and whatever. And and you say it on the—and people say, you know, you sound like somebody. You sound like that guy who does the—do I? Oh, really? And I know it's me, but I can't get someone to put their cigarette out on the train very quickly. I just, (laughs) I usually just get up and says, put your cigarette out. It's like, well, who are you? Are you my daddy? don't make me beat you like your daddy, you know. I I, I do this crazy stuff sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you get people says, I was just about to tell him I was going to. <laughs> yeah, sure you was. Shut up. Yeah, of course <laughs> you were.
1: <laughs> 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 it's all good. Oh, fantastic. So how do your kids take it growing up? Because I was talking to Tony the Tiger a couple of weeks ago for a previous episode. And he said that sometimes his kids' friends used to go, oh, your dad's great, you know, and they could never get away from it. Did your kids love it or did they hate it?
0: Well, my kids, they they got used to it. It's no big deal with them. But if one of the Uh neighbors, because I was doing the Bear for a little while, hungry, try my new Greek-inspired rice. And I was doing all that stuff. Mmm, tasty. And some kid got whiffed of it around my neighborhood. You're the mullah bear. And every day, every single day, then they'll pass it on to their friends. And then all of a sudden, you've got to be the mullah bear every time you get out your truck. it's like, go and go and say, rice, rice, baby. Get out of here. But my kids, my kids are fine. They just think, that's dad. It's no big deal. And he got a good voice. They don't hear it no more. It's just me. It's just. And I don't have to shout at my kids. I just tell them. I just talk. Just
1: yeah.
0: It's not gonna happen. Nag, nag, nag. Yeah, I don't nag. I just tell <laughs> him it's not gonna happen. My, one of my sons asked me for ten grand because he want. He's got a project in his mind, and I just said to him, Okay. It's not gonna happen, Bradley. It's not gonna happen. I don't want to hear no more about it. Okay, Dad. <laughs> and he walked away. He didn't talk to me for a month, but really? he did, But he didn't fight. He's not one of these no. kids who are like,
1: yeah, but yeah.
0: He doesn't do that. He knows.
1: I can a... imagine when you mean business, you mean business.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know. But I just have a presence, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, good for you because <laughs> I don't, and my <laughs> kids are just walking all <laughs> over me. But you know, that's what they do, don't they?
0: Yeah, no doubt. How old are they?
1: Fourteen. They're twins.
0: Oh. Good luck with that. <laughs> Seventeen is the is the bugger. Oh, really? They're not adults, but they're not kids. They're in that teenage mm. years thing, you yeah, know. Yeah. And if you ever need me to to um, send your kids a message, a really stern message, I'll, I'll do <laughs> That'd it That'd be you. amazing. Not a problem. I, because every year I'm Santa Claus as well. So every year uh-huh. I'm on the phone, and they'll send me the text, and they say, "I got him a bicycle. I got him a Power Rangers suit. I got him this." So I gotta get on the phone now hello (laughs) do you know who this is yes it's me did you enjoy your bicycle and they look at their mom like how does she know well if you're a very good boy next year, <laughs> I'll get you something even nicer. But you have to be really good to your mommy. <laughs> and, they, and then uh, go on to the next call and the next call and the next call. And do yeah. That. But then uh, you get the feedback when people say, wow, yeah. well, thank you so much. And their kids are absolutely lied, too. <laughs> it's, it's one of those <laughs> But it is, it's beautiful. That's what it is. It's a God-given instrument. Yeah. My voice is my instrument. You know, like some people play the guitar real good. That's my voice. And when I have to go into schools and I play and I read the old uh, The Three Little Pigs, I go into characters. So I'll, I'll, I can talk like a pig. And then I can be the wolf. You know, so it's beautiful. I enjoy it. I really do. And I do that for nothing. I don't get paid for stuff like that. It's just my way of integrating and not being the big head and keeping my feet firmly on the ground.
1: You've been listening to Tales from the Tannoy with Eleanor Hamilton and Red Pepper with music from Beats Bakery. This podcast was produced by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media.
0: Okay, do you, you want me to do a line for you? Like you're listening to uh, something, something? Oh,
1: I'd love you to. If, if you don't mind, that'd be amazing. Yes, please.
0: I'm cool. You're listening to Tales from the Tannoy. With Eleanor, Eleanor, Eleanor Hamilton, Hamilton. <laughs> I forgot, forgot what it was. <laughs> Ellie Hamilton. Ellie. I was gonna say Ellie, and I was you know when you're in between words. There's only one Emily no e- e- Emily, what? it's not Emily. What is it? Eleanor, this is there is only one Eleanor Hamilton. She's fine. <laughs>